You're listening to audio from Redemption Church of Houston. We are a people who believe that Jesus has invited everyone into his radically inclusive, world-altering way of love. That means that when we gather on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or in homes throughout the week, you are welcome here. Regardless of your social status, gender, race, sexual orientation, or politics, we want you to fully and actually join, grow, worship, and serve with us. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, Jesus invites you into his radical love just the way you are. And so do we. Um, good morning. Welcome to Redemption Church. If you're new here, um, we're a church that's centered on Jesus, who are committed to um, pursuing redemption and connection through grace exploring and sharing. We're glad that you're here. If you want to learn more about who we are, you can go to redemptionhou.com today. We've got a I'm new button. You can click that, fill out a little link, and someone will be in touch and we'll answer any questions you've got. If you want to chat, have coffee, we'd love to hear your story, that kind of thing. Or if you want to go analog like me, you can fill out the card that's in front of you, drop it in the black box on your way out the door. Today our sermon is about Jonah. If you've been reading along with us this summer as we've gone through the Old Testament, then you read Jonah this week. Jonah is one of our easier, more approachable books to read. Um, Even if you didn't read with us this morning, you likely know the story of Jonah, or something like it. There's this guy, and for some reason, he gets swallowed by a whale, and then his nose grew really long, and there was a cricket. Wait, no, no, that's not the one. There's something involved there, right? Jonah has, like, uh, fascinated the imagination of a lot of people. It's one of the more familiar Bible stories. Um, But as you explore the story of Jonah, what you quickly come to find out, if you're paying attention, is there's this other story that probably starts to ring in your ears, a story that Jesus tells, As you read the story of Jonah and you dive into these four chapters, you're reminded of this parable that Jesus told of these sons. There was this son, the prodigal son, who was the youngest son, and he basically tells his dad, I wish you were dead so I could have your inheritance. The father gives him the inheritance, and the son then goes off and squanders it in a way that would have been ethnically offensive, religiously offensive, culturally offensive, like this guy uh, went out and did the most... Uh, egregious and ostracizing things that you could have done. This wasn't just immoral behavior. This was shameful behavior. To associate with this son from this point forward would have been an act of bringing shame upon yourself by association. The son literally wallowing in pig filth decides, maybe I can go back to my father's house and find some provision, some food. At least I'll have a place to stay and I can be one of his slaves. And so the son, in a desire just to become a slave in his father's house, turns back and returns to the house that he grew up in. And the father, who is ever hoping and wishing that his son is not dead, is is just looking out day after day and seeing his son far away, the father shamelessly and shamefully casts off his robe and runs out to greet his son and embraces him and receives him as a son. 
restoring him, not to the place of slave, not to the place of like, okay, yeah, but we'll see, but immediately restoring him to the place of honor, throwing this big feast for him and celebrating the return of his son. There's another son in the story, the older brother. The older brother looms in the background of the story, and the older brother is for us Jonah. The older brother, upon seeing his son return, stands in indignation and judgment, withdraws himself from the house, and standing outside of the house is refusing to go into the party. Do you not see what your your younger son has done? Do you not know how faithful I have been, how right I have been, how much I have sacrificed to be a good son? Do you not understand? So Jesus tells this story, and he tells this story to a group of religious leaders. Because the religious leaders don't like who Jesus is hanging out with, and they're accusing him of associating with sinners and unworthy and unholy people. See, both Jonah and the parable of the prodigal son invite us into something that's actually really life-giving, but is upside down. Whether you like it or not, your tendency and my tendency is to other. And we often use religion to do that. Religion is our way of pointing out at them and trying to articulate what's wrong with them. Religion is our way of drawing a line in the sand and saying, I'm okay, you just need to get on my level. Religion is our way of feeling self-assured in ourselves rather than in God. See, the egregious nature of the story that Jesus tells of these two sons is as shameful and as like sinful the younger son behaved, the older son's insides were just as rotten and shameful and dark and filled with hatred. You just couldn't see it because it was dressed up in religious clothes. Even as we sit in judgment on those who religiously judge others, we find ourselves in a situation where we are religiously othering. And religion is so often used to hurt people for this very reason. You have to look like this and talk like this and believe like this or else you can't be a part of our spiritual club, our religious club. You can't, be sit, you can't sit at Jesus' table. And at the heart of all of this, at the heart of religious wounding and how I know so many of you have been wounded by religion, At the heart of that is a failure to see other human beings the way that God sees other human beings. Sinful, yes. Weak, yes. Flawed, yes. Imperfect, yes. But absolutely, inherently, and intrinsically valuable and lovable and worthy of redemption and grace and restoration and relationship. This is Jonah's prophetic invitation. Um, We can go into a whole conversation about whether Jonah is literal or not literal, but that kind of defeats the point, and we end up having a religious conversation about a text that's actually inviting us out of religion and into relationship with God and into relationship with the world the way that God sees the world. And so, right, the point of Jonah doesn't change if you think that Jonah was literally historically actually swallowed by a fish or not. 
The point of Jonah doesn't change if you believe an actual literal historical plant grew up over Jonah's head or if that was just all a big parable. It doesn't change. And we can get lost in the argument about, well, was that literal, was it not literal, and and end up missing the actual point. The prophetic invitation, Jonah hears the voice of God very clearly. He knows what God is inviting him to do. And his response in chapter one is to run, to go the other way, to go the opposite direction. If God is up, Jonah's going down. If Nineveh is over here, Tarshish is over here. So Jonah goes down onto a boat to go to Tarshish and then he goes down into the ocean and then he goes down into the belly of a fish and he is trying to run from God because he knows that God is inviting him to go to a people that he does not want to be in relationship with. Why? Who are these people? Who are the Ninevites? Uh, I'm sure there's a veggie tale somewhere out there about the Ninevites, and they're probably like asparagus or something like that. Um, something about pea smelling, is that the, what they are? Is that, no? Okay, sorry. <laughs> so the Ninevite is, Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria. The Assyrians were on the northern side of Israel, and historically they come in and they eventually conquer Israel. These were not nice human beings. These were not farmers who were minding their own business. Their, their capital city, Nineveh, its gates was a stack, a pyramid stacked of human skulls of people that they had murdered violently and were now like putting on display in order to drive fear into the hearts of the people that would come and visit them. Ninevites were nasty, violent, racist individuals. And God says, hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And I want you to let them know that they're living in ways of death and invite them into ways of life. And Jonah says, nope, no way, absolutely not. And we hear why at the end of the story that we read this morning. Because I know that you're a compassionate God, that you're slow to anger. And I know that if I go and tell them this, if they repent, you'll actually forgive them. You'll actually be gracious to them. You'll actually invite them into relationship with you. And nope, I'm not having it. And so Jonah puts himself in the place of God because of religion, and he draws his own religious lines, and he presumes who God is for and who God is against, and he's going to make those decisions for God, and he ends up running from God. And Jonah becomes the violent one. Jonah, the religiously clean prophet of God, becomes the sinner in the story. See, the the story is all about repentance, right? Repentance is a nasty word if you grew up in religious circles. Repent! I should say it with a little bit of spit and a lot of anger and some red face. But all repentance means is, think of it this way, it's about orientation. Repentance is all about orientation. So when when, uh, God says, hey, Jonah, go to Nineveh and tell them, repent, what he's telling Jonah to say to the Ninevites is reorient your lives. Change what you're doing and and face a different direction. And so repentance is not necessarily about morality, although morality will be affected by it. It is what are you chasing after? What is the center of your life? Now, what's ironic about this is you have Jonah, who's supposed to be carrying this message of repentance, hey, reorient your life to God, right, who then practically and literally disorients his life by turning away from God and going in the opposite direction of God. He goes down and away from where God has asked him to go. 
And he gets on the ship, and the sailors, like this big storm happens because uh, Jonah's being a nimcompoop. And their sailors are like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We should cry out to all of our gods. And they're kind of like grasping at straws, crying out to their gods. And they see him sleeping. And like, Jonah, what the heck? Wake up. Who's your God? And like, oh yeah, by the way, this is probably my, whole, my, my fault. Here's who my God is. I'm a prophet. I'm disobeying him. You should probably throw me in the ocean. And they're like, wait, what? So they listen to the prophet. They throw him in the ocean. And what, what the story is trying to show to you is that the, the ship is obeying God. The sea is obeying God. These pagan sailors are obeying God. And literally everything in the story is orienting itself to God except the prophet. The only one that's turned away from God in the story is Jonah, the prophet of God, the Israelite, who had all the theology, who knew God the best, And so repentance is about orientation. Jonah wanted a God in his own image, and he had crafted racial, religious identity that was able to exclude the enemies of Israel. See, Israel, um, from the very beginning, we talked about this several weeks ago, Israel existed to be God's nation for the purpose of blessing the other peoples who were not Israel. And so what happened is they then turned in on themselves and built walls and excluded and othered. And this is so much of what the prophets are railing against Israel about. And so the message of Jonah, the prophetic invitation for you and I as we read it, is a message to people of God. Will we face the reality of God inviting us into something we might not like very much? God doing something in the world that we might like go, whoa, whoa, hold on. You're like, those people? Them? Really? And so Jonah invites us and warns us against getting too comfortable in our religious silos. And Jesus gives us the same warning with the parable of the prodigal son. And what this means is we so often take the posture of God's love, God's inclusion, God's grace is good for me, but it's not good for them. Theologically, we as a church are inclusive. But practically, we can put it on our website and in our cards and we can use it in our language, but practically, our church is you and me. It's the people. Who is it that we're afraid to invite over to dinner? Who is it that we would be petrified if they walked in the door right now? Who would we not want here with us because of their ideas or their theology or their political affiliation or what they post on Facebook? Sorry, that was so 2005. What they post on Instagram. What they post on threads. Sorry, I'm trying to, get a, I'm trying to keep up. I'm trying to keep up. So I have to warn us We can be a cynical bunch because so many of us are wounded. And in our woundedness and in our cynicism, we have to be careful that we don't become the monsters that have hurt us. We have to be careful that we don't, in reaction to fundamentalism, become fundamentalists on the other side of the line. No, 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 it's not those beliefs that make you an insider, it's these beliefs that make you an insider. We leave the certainty of fundamentalism and we exchange it 
for a different set of certainties that allow us to judge and exclude anyone who thinks differently than we do. And then, and maybe I'm just revealing too much of my own heart here, we stand in judgment against people who think exactly like we did like a week ago. <laughs> how dare you post that? I posted it in 2016, but how dare you post it now, right? Why can't you be as enlightened and learned as I am? Uh, Nietzsche has a famous quote about this. Yeah, that, that guy. Whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process he does not become a monster. Bono puts it this way, you become a monster so the monster will not overtake you. We have to be very, very careful that we're actually listening to the, the grace and the invitation of Jesus to be a type of people that live open-handed and invitational lives to absolutely anyone and everyone that would seek to be interested in following Jesus. Regardless of what their morality is, regardless of what their politics are, regardless of whatever. We can be really tempted to curate our own kingdom that's made in our likeness rather than pursuing the community of God and all of its beauty and all of its diversity and yes, all of its brokenness and so we redraw the lines. And we become progressive fundamentalists or liberal fundamentalists or conservative fundamentalists. Those are so out of fashion, by the way. I don't recommend conservative fundamentalism. Um, Westboro Baptist did a number on their reputation and brand. So, And so if we're not careful, we, Redemption Church, could... We stand the risk of being a community that is a silo filled with people that look like us, think like us, talk like us, look like us, and sound like us. Because we refuse to create space at our tables for people who are absolutely different than us. And so Jesus' table is different. There's a real invitation. Like what Jesus gets in trouble for so often is for sitting with sinners and eating with them. And like for us, if, we're, if in our minds we're like, yeah, Jesus went to Chili's and he ordered some food and he got some nachos, what's the big deal? I don't understand. Part of what's happening here and part of the shame in all of this is that when Jesus enters into having a meal with someone, there is an association with that individual. And there's this honor-shame culture that exists in the first century. And so that if you wanted to like boost your honor, it's kind of like followers on Instagram. Like you like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to subtweet or retweet this person so that I can get some more honor and get more followers and likes. And then you kind of like climb this social ladder. It's the same exact thing. You would invite yourself over to, or you would invite someone really uh, honorable over to your house. And the expectation was, culturally, they would then repay you by honoring you by inviting you back. And so you'll just kind of ping-ponged back and forth and you would climb the rung. But what Jesus does is he doesn't go up and associate with those up here. He goes down and he associates with the unassociatable. He associates with the people that were like, by associating with them, you are implicitly implicating yourself in their nonsense, in their brokenness, in their filth. And Jesus says, yeah, here's my people. <laughs> and then he invites us to do the same thing. Um, so there's this really interesting study that was done that I didn't actually copy and paste into my notes here. 
So I can't tell you who it was from or when it was, and you just have to trust me on this, okay? Just believe the preacher, because that's gone really well in the past for everyone ever. (laughs) But there was a straw poll done, and they went around, and it was like 820-something people that they they asked these questions to. And y'all know I'm so bad with numbers, so like, go with me here. But I think we're close, okay, ballpark. Um, And they asked them in 13 different cities, and they were asking them this question of like, loving your enemy. And to the question of like, hey, is loving your enemy like a good thing or a bad thing? And the progressives, 76%-ish, somewhere in there, like it's 70-something, okay? 76% of them answered that loving your enemy makes you implicit in their injustice. Thanksgiving dinner, anyone? Dealing with family members who maybe believe a little bit differently than you do? Maybe friends from the past that believe a little bit differently than you do. The poll went on to show that 78% of conservatives believed that loving your enemy made you complicit in their immorality. We build silos for ourselves and we other our neighbor that Jesus is inviting us to love because he loves them. And so I want to ask you today, who are you afraid God might have compassion on? Who are you afraid that God might be inviting into this room to experience this community? What would it look like for you to have compassion on that person? And I know we think in like these really big schemes that we can have Philosophically, we can have the right ideas here, but practically, who are you in relationship with? And who are you refusing to have relationship with? And why? Now, there's a whole sermon here about like healthy boundaries and toxic relationships, and right, so please don't hear me that you should just be inviting everyone into everything and all places and all times. There are absolutely plenty of times and places where we don't need to do that. But 99% of the time, that's not really our issue. The challenge of Jonah is to acknowledge that God is not only inclined to, but actually will have compassion on our enemies. For those who think differently than us or disagree with us, and that God is inviting us to sit at his metaphorical table with them. And that invitation is meant to be embodied in reality by inviting them to our literal table. (laughs) Inviting them to our hubs. Inviting them into our homes. Inviting them into our lives. It's interesting in um, the parable of the prodigal son that the father makes it really clear when he's talking about the celebration that this is my table. I can celebrate whoever I would like at my table and I can invite whoever I would like to my table. And this is essentially the invitation of Jonah. Jonah, my friend, 
you are having all of these emotions over this plant because the plant was convenient for you. It helped you. It was nice to know. Should I not have compassion on this city of human beings who, yes, are violent and terrible, but who are changing their orientation to me? Should I not have compassion and grace upon them? And the animals, which is just a weird clause at the end. It's kind of fun. So if we're going to be a church that takes Jesus seriously and seeks to actually and really follow him, rather than just creating another religious institution in our own image and our own likeness, then we have to find ways to be a community whose gaze is outward and not only ever inward. Looking towards the outsider, the newcomer, the one who's not like us, the one who's not already one of us. If you're new, welcome. (laughs) Hopefully you're bombarded by a bunch of people after this. I don't know, we'll see. To be clear, you're not our enemy. I just want to make that, like, just, okay. But, like, th- this, is the, this is the thing, right? We, we can talk about loving our enemies and inviting our enemies to our table. We can't even invite our, like, next-door neighbors to our table. Um, and, again, I'm implicating myself in that. But this is what God is concerned about. This is who God is inviting us to be as a church. God loves you. God is not necessarily concerned with your holy huddle or your purity click. (laughs) And I know we wouldn't call them those things. But if we're not careful, they can be exactly that, and we just won't put that label on them. Our film clubs and our hub groups and our teams and our gatherings and our social events mean nothing if they exist in ways that do not allow us to see and welcome and invite and include absolutely anyone who's interested in exploring Jesus into them. And here's the promise. Jesus says, uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This invitation is not an invitation into like, oh, you you better do better. You better get it together. This invitation is actually an invitation into a deeper humanity, into something that is actually deep inside of us that we want to be and do in the world. And so if we can let go of some of the things that prevent us from stepping into it, I think we might begin to find some freedom and some joy and some delight in being who Jesus is inviting us to be as his people. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, get coffee with a pastor or visit us on a Sunday, then go to redemptionhou.com. And please know today that you are fully loved and fully accepted just the way you are. We hope to hear from you soon.